This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Enjoyed my time with you, worshiping the Lord, letting our praise and worship team lead us in to honoring the Lord Jesus. You know, when I got on the song, Break the Chains, I, I believe that was prophetic in nature this morning. And so if there's some part of you that needs a chain broken, just, just welcome that and receive that, okay? If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high and our ushers will get you the Bible, once you get a Bible, turn to Matthew 15. And I, I highly urge you to get, get your Bible open. And if you're a note taker, there's gonna be some things said today that I, I believe will touch your heart again. This is our, our last morning on this series. And so some things we just wanna tie some ends up here where we all have some knowledge about what's going on through the Bible. So, you know, when we began this, we started with the Israelites and they were on their way from Egypt to the promised land, but you know, they got caught up in the wilderness for 40 years. And what got them in trouble was their speech. They're murmuring, they're complaining. Actually, they became critical not only of God, but they became critical of Moses. And so because of that, they died in the wilderness. Your, your words are that powerful. So we're going to jump back in here. We begin in Matthew 15, verse number 7. Hypocrites. Wow, what a way to start out. Hypocrites. You pretenders, you frauds. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, was Was Isaiah right with what he said about you? Was Isaiah right how he described you? Actually, Isaiah hit the bullseye with how he he described you. Now watch what he says. This is the Lord Jesus, verse eight. These people draw near me with their mouths. They talk the talk, they make a big show. And they honor me with their lips, they say the right thing. But their heart is far from it. Their heart is just not in it. So you know what this literally means? We're we're just going through the motions. Verse nine. And in vain they worship me. Their worship is useless. My heart's not there. He goes on to say, teaching as the doctrines, the commandments of men instead of the commandments of God, we prefer the actions and the attitudes of men over the word of God. Now this is who the Lord Jesus called hypocrites. So I believe there's insight there. God wants to see the significance of his word. Stay with the Bible, okay? The Bible's not outdated. The Bible is still the word of God. He goes on to say, verse number 10, when he called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. Don't reject the word of God. Grasp it, comprehend it, take it to heart. Now, real close attention on verse number 11. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this is what defiles a man. So when you see the word defiled, it means dirty, polluted, unclean, unholy. And notice he said, 
the things that come out of your mouth have the ability to defile us. Again, I believe the Lord Jesus is revealing right here the significance of our words. Verse 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth, they come or they start or they originate from the heart and they defile a man. So the things that I get in my heart are a result of what I feed myself on. You put garbage in, you're going to put garbage out. You put the word of God in, you're going to get the word of God out. And so Matthew 12, 34, the Lord Jesus himself said, out of the abundance of your heart, what is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. In other words, your words will locate you. Your words right here are, are the windows into your heart. Now you can say amen or oh me. That's how powerful your words are. And I believe immediately the Lord Jesus is trying to get, get us to understand the things that come out of my mouth is what defiled me. Turn to your left to, to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, and if you've been here for the, the series of the majority of it, this has been our main scripture text. I'm going to read it one more time because I believe the Lord really wants us to soak in this. He's really wanting us to get this today. Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Now the Amplified says judge not, criticize not, and condemn not. Why? Because you will be judged with the same judgment you use. In other words... The judgment that I give is going to boomerang back to me. Verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So right here, it's like the scripture saying, don't be a critic. Don't, don't act like you're holier than thou. And so when you look at, at what the Lord Jesus says... It's going to come back. The way you sow it is the way you're going to reap it. Now, many times as believers, we have this thought. Well, I can just pray. My, my prayers will override my actions. But when you look at what he's talking about, your prayers won't override the outcome of what you've done with your mouth, okay? When you judge, it's going to come back at you. When you're critical, it's going to come back at you. So right now in your life, if you look and think, man, it seems like everywhere I go, someone's critical toward me. Could it be? Because you're getting what you deserve. Verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank or the telephone pole in your eye? Or how can you say to brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, here goes Jesus again. You pretenders, you frauds. First, remove the plank from your own eye. Now how does that happen? Well, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. You're not going to remove the plank on your own. So the starting of removing the plank from my eye is first of all, I gotta take ownership and realize I've been judgmental, I've been critical, I've been condemning. So literally what that means is I go before Father God and I confess to God what I've done. 
And listen real close. Confessing is acknowledging your mistake or your sin to God. Repentance, however, is to change. It's one thing to confess, and it's another thing to repent. Repentance says, I'm going to do a 180. You can't do that on your own either, okay? You know what that means? Father God, grace me. Anybody you need some grace today? That's the old song, amazing. I need some grace to help me quit doing the things I don't want to do. So he says, first do that. Now watch real closely in the middle of verse 5. And then... Now, we got to highlight, and the and then, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know what that means? That when you deal with the issues in your life, and God moves you to a place where he's healed you, set you free, then you become fit or capable to fulfill the end of this verse. And then you will see clearly to remove God's speck from your brother's eye. So there is a then. What does that mean? Well, I want to help you just a little bit today on this because when you read a lot what we've talked about, we get in the back of our mind, we, we get in this ditch. I, I'm, I'm to never criticize in an order to help somebody. I'm never to do that. But he said, and then. So there's another side of this that God's desire is that we do correct, we do help, and we do rebuke people. And some of you said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want you to get this because when you win the right to speak in someone's life, they need to hear you correct him in a, in a godly manner. How many of you have ever needed someone to correct? I needed someone to correct me. I had a guy growing up, and this dude, I'm telling you, he was a beast as a human being. He, he ran on the sprint relay and track, and he threw the shot like 55 feet. And he would hold me accountable, and he'd look at me and tell me, you can't do that. Well, he didn't do that and tell me that because he didn't like me. He did it because only the truth sets people free. And so I needed help in that. And so I, I knew I had to listen to him because of two things. One, he was right, and two, I couldn't whip him. I could have whipped him because I'd have picked up a rake and hit him right in the head is what I'd done, but that's another story. So when we look at this, the Lord spoke through the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4.1. And he said, preach the word. Preach the word. That is what we're supposed to do. We are to tell the church, the body of Christ, the word of God. Then in that same chapter, he said, Timothy, you are to correct, you are to rebuke, and you are to exhort. So what do we do with that? Am I called to correct? Am I called? Yes, I am. And the Bible's got a lot to say this, so go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want you to see what the Bible has to say about this, and it's incredible. It will really help every one of us to understand, I have a part to play in this. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Now listen real close, it's so good. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. Don't run with anybody called a brother. Better stated, a brother or a sister or 
a Christian. Now let's finish what he's saying here. He said, don't run with someone named, named a brother. Named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or reviler, a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Now he's talking about people that claim they're born again. And he said, don't run with the ones that are sexually immoral. This is always a popular topic right here. Then he says the greedy, the idolater, the slanderer, or the drunkard, or the swindler. He said, don't run with them. Now why would he tell us that? Because the people that you run with have the ability to influence you. And many times they're influences in an ungodly way. Years back in my life, I, I had a huge problem with alcohol and I'd given my heart to Jesus and I had this thought. I'm gonna go to the bar and I'm gonna win all my buddies back to Jesus. Well, the problem was I didn't win any of them back to Jesus. They won me back to Jack Daniels. You know why? At that point in my life, I wasn't strong enough biblically or spiritually for that to take place. But it's interesting right here. He said, don't keep company with them. Don't mingle with them. Because they're going to rub off on you if you're not careful. Verse 12. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? What would that mean? The people that are outside are the people that are outside the body of Christ or the church. People that aren't born again. People that are of the world. And, and notice what he said here. What have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those that are inside? Now he gives us incredible, he said, I'm not to judge those on the outside, but I am to judge those on the inside. Now he explains a little deeper in verse 13. But those who are on the outside, God will judge. Pretty clear, isn't it? God says, you don't mess with those on the outside of the church. That's not your responsibility. But those on the inside, and he ends with, therefore put away themselves from the evil person. So he gives us great insight. I don't have a responsibility for the outside, but I do have a responsibility for the inside. Now the Bible's very clear where it says, those who are sick are in need of a physician. So the church is to be a hospital for the sick. What is the goal of a hospital? It's to get people well. It's to get them where they're, they're healthy again. The church is a hospital for the sick. We're not hospice. We are not to make people content or make people comfortable in their sin. Woo. That's never been the goal for the church. The goal is to correct, to help. And so what happens with this is I must earn the right to speak in people's lives. How do you earn the right to speak in people's lives? You do life with them. And the greatest witness is not what comes out of your mouth. 
The greatest witness is your lifestyle. What an unbelieving world cannot handle is people that acknowledge him with their lips but deny him with their lifestyle. Thank you for those two holy amens. The rest of you said, oh me. See, the Bible comes very clear, but what happens within the church is when we obey the word of God and we correct someone out of love to help them, not to hurt them, you know what people will say? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Have any of you ever said that? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. But yet the Bible tells us to do it in a manner to help. And so what do I do with this? And so many of you go to workplaces and you're around people that you've done with day after day in life. You're called to help them if your heart is right. You're, you're called to say, hey, you can't keep doing those things. That's not a God. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. Now, if you're a student of the word of God, you're going to get to Isaiah 58, and this is going to be a head-scratcher to you because this is a chapter that highlights prayer and fasting. How many of you have ever prayed and fasted for some type of a breakthrough in your life? And there's hands going up. All, it's biblical to do that, except when it becomes a religious ritual. When I just go through the motion, and you're going to see something in this passage that just because you fast and pray for breakthrough doesn't mean it's going to happen. Now you might as well get your spiritual seatbelt on, okay? So God here, he's, he's given us the guidelines for, for praying and fasting. And you're going to see in, in this verse here that God has a desire for every one of us with breakthrough. And, and in verse 8, here's where I'm going to start. You're going to see the word your, Y-O-U-R, four times. Now watch, verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. If you truly follow God's agenda here. Your light shall break forth like the morning. I'm telling you, life, life is going to get away. It's going to be a break forth. Things are going to be happening. Then he says, and your healing shall spring forth speedily. Oh, happy day. And your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of God shall be your rear guard. Man, he, he gives four incredible promises right there. Again, if I follow God's agenda. Verse 9. Then you shall call out and the Lord will answer. How do I call out? That's a form of prayer. God said, if you'll call out, I'll answer. He goes on to say next. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. You cry out. So the calling and the cry out were both forms of prayer. But stuck right here in the middle of verse 9, the next word is if. If, it's circled in my Bible because everything that the Lord has talked about hinges on that if. Let me give you one of my Proverbs. If if and buts were candy and nuts, what a Merry Christmas we'd have. If, now watch the if. If you take away the yoke from your midst, 
The yoke has a meaning of a, a heavy burden, some form of oppression. If you take away or banish every form of oppression, you got, you got to get these, these heavy burdens out of your life. And so what he's talking about here, we want God to fulfill his promise while excusing ourselves. I want God to do what God said he'll do, but I don't want to do what God wants me to do. So there's some form of a yoke of oppression that he wants us to deal with. Now watch what he says. If you take away for yoke from your mitts, the pointing of the finger. You never, you never saw this in the Bible, but you know what Isaiah just said? Quit giving people the finger. He said the pointing of the finger. He didn't say which finger. Now, I personally believe it's this one right here. That index finger. When you look at someone and you point at, I mean, you point at someone. Has anybody ever grabbed your fingers? They don't point at me like that. The problem is when I point my finger, I got three more pointing right back. The pointing of the finger. Whether it's the index finger or this one right here. I'm not going to do that because people will see that on Social media, and some of you will take pictures of that and you'll blackmail me. <laughs> Pastor Church, giving everybody the finger. <laughs> I don't give people the finger anymore. I think about it sometimes, I just don't act on it. <laughs> Are you being truthful? I am. I'm a truthful pastor. I got a flesh. I came in one day last week, I think it was Tuesday, and I, I was so proud of myself. I said, I went all the way from my house, all the way to the church, and I didn't call one person an idiot or stupid. <laughs> and people look and say, are you, I'm serious. I'm telling you, God's doing a work in me. But he's saying, quit pointing the finger. Is this the form of oppression? Now, watch what he ends verse nine with. The pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. False, harsh, unjust, criticism, vicious slander, malicious talk. Now I want you to think just a second. What did we go back and say? What was his promises? Remember the four promises? Man, he wanted to lighten your day up. He wanted to heal. He wanted to be your rear guard. He wanted you to walk as the righteous. But everything with those promises hinged on that if. And so could part of the problem be that those aren't manifest in my life? Could it be because I keep giving people the finger? And could it be my malicious talk, my wickedness? And so when this right here He's one to let us up. You can fast and pray all you want. Your prayers aren't even getting out of the ceiling because you point the finger. You're wicked speaking. You're talking about an eye opener to me. I had a person in the first service say, man, Pastor, I was dodging all day. It felt like you were shooting at me. I said, dude, I've been under my desk all week. I said, man, it seems like the scriptures just keep coming at me. So again, we see God's heart. God wants to bless. 
And I think I can point, I can speak however I want. There's no consequences to that. One last verse for you, or one last chapter, Psalm 50. The 50th Psalm, back to your left just a little bit. Remember, defilement comes from what comes out of your mouth. Psalms 50. We'll get ready, okay? This is a passage I believe will be eye-opening. It'll be a wake-up call. Verse 16. But to the wicked, God says. So when I begin to look at this, in some translations, the word wicked literally means the hypocrite. He's describing a hypocrite here. Now watch what he goes on to say. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes? In other words, what, what do you think you're doing? What, what, what are you up to quoting my statutes? Now, now look what he says next. Or you take my covenant in your mouth. So what he's saying here, you, you like to speak the promises of God. You like to speak the blessings of God. You like to talk about God's covenant blessings. Woo, bless me, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Give me, give me, give me. My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. If your name's Jimmy, I bless you. <laughs> Verse 17. Seeing you, you hate instruction. The word instruction there means discipline. You hate discipline. And you cast my words behind you. You, you view my word as insignificant. You, you, you view my word as garbage. But think again. But yet you're the one that's quoting his statutes. And you're proclaiming his covenant in, in your life. Again, bless me God. Bless me. I'm, I'm a Christian in name. But when you look at what he's talking about, was the Lord telling us here, maybe, maybe, maybe we need a little put a little walkie-walkie with our talkie-talkie? Oh. You cast my words behind you. Now listen to this. When you saw a thief, you consented with him. You know what that means? You said, hey, buddy, we'll thieve together. Just think about this just a second. This is why I said it's, it's highlighted the hypocrite. How did he start out? You quote my statutes and you speak my covenant blessings, but yet you run with the thief. Now he doesn't stop there. He goes on and says next, and you have been a partaker, you have been associate, you have been a friend with adulterers. Sexually moral. Another popular topic on the church. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. So I read this and I think, does any of these words describe me? Do they describe you? And I highlight again, this, this is the person who was quoting the Bible. He was saying, man, Lord, I, I love your covenant blessings. I'm, I'm covenant this is dangerous. You sit and speak evil against your brother. Literally meaning 
You stab people in the back that you call your brother. Uh Uh-oh. You slander your own mother's son. You rip them off with gossip. Yuck, yuck, yuck. You know what's interesting? Verse 17, 18, 19, and 20. Three of the Ten Commandments in there. Eight, nine, and seven are all in there. Every one of them. Verse 21. These things you have done, and I've kept silent. God gave him the silent treatment. And sometimes in our life, when God gets silent on us, you know why God gets silent on us? It's because we think in the back of our minds, God's okay with it. God's good. He's not good with it. He's silent because he's slow to wrath. He's silent because he's long-suffering. He gives us opportunity to repent and get right. I don't know about you. I I think God is long-suffering. Mercy, mercy, Lord, mercy, mercy. You know what mercy means? I don't get what I deserve. He said, I'm I'm silent. You thought I was altogether like you. You thought I was applauding you. But I will rebuke you. And this is what God said. God said, I'll rebuke you. You want to get real, real technical with the word of God? The word of God says those who God loves, he rebukes and he corrects. So even when we rebuke people, if we do it out of a motive of love, that's God. But he said, I'm going to rebuke you. Now look what he goes on. Now consider this, you who forget God. Let me ask you a question. Have you forgot God? The only time I need God is when I need a life preserver. About a God, a half a nostril from going under. I need you now, Father God. Other than that in my life, I forget God. You make deals with God. God, if you'll get me out of this situation, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And God knows, liar, liar, pants of her. You're not going to do that. But have I forgot God? Lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver you. There's a space of time right here that God gives us to repent. So I look at all this that he's talking about. And you go back and see. My actions. My words. My behaviors. The Bible's very clear that We reap what we sow. The law of of reaping what you sow, it's irreversible. It's universal. No one is exempt, okay? Galatians 6, 7 says that. As a man sows, that's how he's going to reap. Exactly. The second thing about the law of sowing, it's the law of multiplication. What do I mean by that? You sow a little kernel of corn. You don't get back a kernel of corn. You know what you get back? This thing calls a stock with a bunch of ears of corn on it. You know what that means? The seed you have sown is going to come back in a greater proportion. The third area of this is the harvest has its own timing. 
Some seeds can germinate pretty quick. Some seeds can, can lay dormant for a period of time and then they finally come up. But here's the deal. They're gonna come up sooner or later. It's gonna happen. So I'm gonna ask you here to stand up. Just the goodness of God. Just the goodness of God. And I'm telling you guys, I, I have... I've confessed and I've repented over over my life. I begin to see the significance of the words that come out of our mouth. It's not a little deal to God. It's a big deal. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. And I'm going to begin to ask you some questions here. Have you confessed and repented to God? He's been patient with us. Maybe today's the day you come clean. Have you forgot God? I don't want you, God. I just want what you can do for me. See, until I repent and I come back to God, I'm, I'm gonna live like a prisoner of war. I'm gonna relive my past over and over again. Have I defiled with my tongue? Have I spoken wickedness? Have I, have I pointed the finger? And, and I take us back to all those promises that Isaiah made. It's very clear that God wants to be a light to you. God wants to heal you. God wants to bring righteousness. God wants to be your rear guard. But there's so much of that that hinges on my reaction to what he asked me to do. So I'm not here to beat you up. That's not my goal. Only the truth sets folk free. And how you respond to it. So our team's getting ready to sing. What would happen if we responded to the Holy Spirit today? See, if there's conviction in your heart going on, that doesn't come from me. I'm not that smart. It comes from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the goodness of God is what leads us to repentance. So what would happen if we come down here today and say, man, Father God, I repent. I confess, my, I ask you to do a work in my heart. I believe God's wanting to do something here today. So that's the first thing. As they begin to sing, I welcome you to come forward. You're going to have to hurry to beat me down here because I, I'm here to confess and repent. Go ahead, God. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.